the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, November 12th. It's been a really fun week of tennis thus far. The action in Linz living up to its status as the final WTA event of the year. We had three more three-set matches on Thursday that we're going to talk about on today's podcast. You'll also be able to hear from a couple of the winners of Thursday's matches. We also, of course, have to talk about them action in Sophia Yannick Sinner, folks. The Sin Man is coming for you, and it's only a matter of time. It's not an if, it's a when thing. I have no doubt now he will spend most, if not the majority, if not the rest of his career inside the ATP Top 50. I think that Top 20 will be calling sooner rather than later, and then eventually we are going to be talking about him as a future Top 10, maybe even Top 5 guy, but we'll get into why I feel that way throughout this podcast. Of course, also want to talk a little bit about the Challenger action, ITF action going on this week, and of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out here on our Crack Racket shows is because of the support we get from our friends over at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. It's a simple lifestyle, folks. We are from the Midwest. We bring Midwest values to the world of tennis, and of course, that's what our friends at Midwest Sports do as well. Midwest Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your tennis equipment needs. They've got the best brands, the best deals, the best people to help you through those tough decisions. What string should I use? What tension should I be playing with? Is it time for me to switch frames, switch shoes, whatever it may be? The folks at Midwest Sports will help you out. If you use our promo code CR15, you'll also get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all, that free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. It'll have you looking good. And then how are you going to feel good on court? You're going to turn to our friends at Aerobar, the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business. More potassium than a banana. Delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavor. They really have solved you know, how to crack the science of tennis through nougat, folks. It is that delicious. It's going to give you that extra 10%, 5%, whatever it may be on the court to ensure you have your best performance. So go to Midwest Sports, uh, go to aerobar.com, excuse me, use the promo code CRACKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. You'll let them know we sent you there. Midwest Sports, Aerobar, Cracked Rackets. Look good, feel good, play good. All right. With that in mind, just a couple of quick things on the Cracked Rackets front. Obviously, uh, we are getting ready to shift into off-season mode, but we still have a few weeks of tennis to go. If you have missed any of the action, go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. You can find the weekly recaps, the weekly previews of our newest writer, Judson Wall. We're really excited to launch some other new series in the, over the next couple of weeks as well. One of them, our new YouTube video, The Deciding Point. Essentially, I would say a summary of the week's mini-breaks condensed into about a 12-minute video on YouTube. Jamie McDonald and I having a ton of fun on our first two episodes. You can go check that out on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Of course, it's been a great week for guests as well. We got into our College Contender Series, Matt Stokowiak, Chris Halioris, coming on to talk about Georgia and Michigan. We also got the chance to speak with Georgia head coach Manny Diaz. We talked to Adam Steinberg as well, still waiting for the green light from Michigan Athletic Department to run that interview. Uh, again, I said it yesterday, I'll say it today. I'm a Wolverine, Michigan. I have. I promise you, your tennis program is going to come off looking very, very good after this interview, but we will get that to you folks shortly. And then, of course, it was such a thrill to have former world number four James Blake on the show this week. I mean, when you get someone who has succeeded at that high of a level, both on and off the court, it leads to a 
good interview. And so we have an hour of his time. It's really, really fun. Thanks to our friends at Aerobar for setting that up. You can find that podcast on the Cracked Interviews feed. But with that in mind, let's talk about Thursday's action in the pro tennis world. And let's start with the action in Linz. And I think the match I want to talk about first, Nadia Podoroska, who obviously came to the attention of the majority of tennis fans uh, during her run through the French Open. Podoroska, you know, not exactly highly ranked. She starts the year outside the top 200. She's now inside the top 50, a lot of that based on the success she had making the semifinals of the French Open, beating, you know, Putin Seva, beating uh, Elina Svitolina, beating Krejcikova, Shmladova, before ultimately falling to Iga Svantec. But then again, everyone ended up falling to Iga Svantec. But for Nadia Podoroska, the question will be moving forward, how does she adapt to surfaces that aren't clay? You look at what she's done throughout her career and what she's done throughout this season, and I mean for Podoroska, what a year it has been. Obviously, the French Open is the thing that stands out the most, but you look at what she's done during this 2020 season. Podoroska, 40-7 and seven on the year. A lot of that success coming on the clay. She was 22-4, and four, but she was sneaky good on the hard courts this year. 18-3. and three. Of course, you look at the results she had early in the season. She got a victory uh, at the 25Ks in Malibu and in France. In, at the end of this season, you know, she won the 60K event on the clay. Uh, she made another final at the, I believe... Um or excuse me, she did not make another final, but, uh, you know, she uh, obviously made the semifinals, that's what I keep turning to, of the French Open, and so she is now fine, she finds herself inside the top 50 of the live rankings, the 23-year-old Podoroska up to number 47 right now, and, you know, she continued her success here this week in Linz, a really impressive victory for her, 6-7-6-1-6-4 over Camilla Georgi, and what I like so much about Podoroska, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, uh, she's just a counterpunch, Counterpuncher is not the right word. Excuse me. She's just an explosive, fluid athlete who can do a lot of different things on the court. And I think for her, maintaining her aggression, not falling four, five, six feet behind the baseline will be so critical to her success. You know, in that first set, Georgie did a really good job of teeing off, did a really good job of playing aggressive. But ultimately, for Podoroska, it was the success she had on serve. She made 69% of her first serves in the match, won 65% of the first serve points, 53% of the second serve points hold Georgie to 23 of 49 on the Georgie second serve. Podoroska was taking really good uh, clean rips at the return to take control of the point, take time away from Georgie, and it's her willingness to go down the line, to play a short angle, to be adventurous on the run. A lot of that comes with confidence. You know, if you're now, I think she has two or three wins this week, so I suppose 42, 43, and seven, uh, you're feeling good on the court. You're willing to take some risks, and it's always fun to see a player as they hit their stride, but Podoroska Rosca is hitting her stride, and she is certainly a top 50 athlete. The way she moves, it's really, really explosive. Uh, the question is, again, what will she be moving forward now? She's going to go from playing ITFs being you know 25Ks, 60Ks, even 125Ks, and now it's probably going to be a full year in 2021 of international or higher level events. I'm sure she'll play 125K here and there, but how does she compete week in, week out? If this week is any indication, uh, look for the 23 year 
22-year-old Podoroska to continue to ascend the rankings. And of course, for Podoroska, uh, she was one of the top juniors in the world, but for her to to really hit this, her stride this year, uh, I don't think anyone was expecting uh, the jump she has made. Nevertheless, it is so exciting to see Podoroska inside the top 50 following that up, or, you know, continuing her success. She moves on now to face Ekaterina Alexandrova. Uh, that should be a really fun match. Alexandrova, of course, uh, had such a good start to this season as well. Certainly a player who took a big jump in her career. So looking forward to that one on Friday. And we actually got the chance to ask some questions of Nadia Podoroska. Ask her, you know, how confident she is playing on court. Got to talk to her a little bit about what it's like to play on indoor hard courts as well. We have clips from those questions. Westoff, roll it, please. Congratulations on the win, Nadia. Uh, even beyond today's victory in singles, I think you're something like 40 and 7, 40 and 8 on the year. And I'm just curious, you know, we so often hear tennis is as much about confidence as it is anything you can do on the court. How confident are you feeling right now when you're playing these matches? And how does that help you get a victory like today? Yeah, for, for sure, I have a lot of confidence at, at this at this moment. I was winning too many matches. Uh, I think it's it's good for the important points. I know what should I do, and I, I trust on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, clearly it's working. And for you to start the year outside the top. 200 to know that you're going to finish inside the top 50. I'm sure you're focused on this week, but you know, that security of knowing you're going to start the year in the top 50, what does that mean to you as you look towards this off season? Yeah, it's, it's good for me know that I will be playing in, in Australia and, and then I've been playing in, I will play in, in the state. It's good to have the, the, the calendar a little bit more, more clear than in, in ITF and play with the, the top player for sure. It's, it's good. So that was three-set battle number one on the day. Now, there was another, I believe, two other three-set matches of the five that were played, and, you know, a one that was a really fun battle. Elisa Mertens, another three-set victory for her here in Lynn. 6-4-5-7-6-2 on Thursday over former world number two Vera Zivanareva. And what's impressed me so much about Mertens through her first two matches is she has played two power players. Zivanareva, uh, Kalanina, they want to take big cuts at the ball, and she's done such a good job of disrupting the rhythm in both of those players, of finding rhythm on her own serve, and the second serve has been a struggle, but, you know, when she's able to make the first serve in the first set, she made 60% of them, in the second set, she made 65% of them, uh, she was fine, you know, she was having a lot of success, and in this match for Mertens, she only makes 60% of her first serves, but she wins 67% of those points, 41% on the second serve, which isn't great, but, you know, for Savannah Rave, she goes 33 of 71 on first serve points and 25 of 41 on second serve points. Essentially, it was a toss-up, right? Each and every point, uh, she goes, what, 68 of 112. That's about a little over 50% on her serve. Mertens was just in every point. It's the sort of pressure she puts on her opponents because it's not just, you know, she makes a ton of balls, which she does. It's that she can, you know, do so many different things, whether it's more linear shots driving through the court down the line, whether it's angles cross court, the backhand 
slice she likes to play. She'll also, you know, to disrupt your time, to give herself a little bit more time to recover, she'll throw up an elevated, you know, 15 feet over the net, forehand, loopy, you know, just to sort of get the point back to neutral. And she used all of that to break the rhythm of Zivanareva. Now, you know, Zivanareva, I think, went up for love in the second set. Mertens fights back, really could have won it. You know, 30-40, she has a plus one backhand that she misses in the net to give uh, the set to Zivanareva, but then she came right back out in the third set, got right on it, and this is just a player who's playing so confidently. There's a reason, again, she's the wins leader on the year in the WTA because she's played a ton of matches. She's had a lot of success. Hey, great shot. Leave it in, West. A lot of success during those matches, and, you know, it, it sucks because the rankings are frozen. She's at 21 in the world. I really do think for her, the race to Shenzhen, uh, the live race, and I know there is no year-end finals, but that's more indicative of the sort of player she's been this year. She's number nine in terms of points accumulated on the season. She wins this uh, tournament. It doesn't matter. She's still going to end number nine, number eight, Arena Sabalenka, and then the players above her, people like Vika, Sviantek, uh, Garbin Muguruza, Sofia Kennan. Obviously, they had so much Naomi Osaka. Uh, when you have the success they did at the slams. And Mertens made a semifinals at the U.S. Open, but they're going to have more points. But, you know, again, if she's not the Grand Slam champion tier this year, she's been the best of everyone else. I really do think that she has been a top 10 player, and she's only 24 years old. It would not surprise me at all, assuming, you know, the rankings allow this, to see her get into the top 15, even the top 10 in 2021. I know there are so many talented young women right now in the women's game, but Elisa Mertens belongs on that list. Really nice three-set victory for her over Zivanareva, who's played really well, by the way, in 2020. And, uh, you know, she struggled with injuries. She took some time off from the game to have a family, all different things you can completely understand. But, uh, you know, she has found her form here in 2020 as well. Look forward to seeing what a full offseason will do for her. Uh, I, I and, you know, uh, hopefully we get to see a little bit more of Zvera, uh, Vera Zivanareva before her career comes to an end. Uh, those were two of the three-set matches. Again, the last three-set battle on the day. It was a fun one. Uh, you saw uh, Kudermatova, 6-4-1-6-6-3 over Roos. Kudermatova can ball, folks. Uh, she is just, you know, I, a really impressive player. I mean, she can do so many different things. I, I love the firepower. I think she moves well. Indoor hardcore is clearly a good surface for her. We saw this success from her in Lin, uh, in Linz excuse me, in Ostrava as well. Uh, doesn't shock me to see her make the quarterfinals here this week, and I believe now she matches up with Elisa Mertens, so that should be a really fun match, but you look for Kuder Matova, where she is at number 46 in the rankings for the 23-year-old Russian. Again, 23 years old, inside the top 50, given all of the uncertainty heading into 2021. That's exactly where you want to be. You're going to get into every event you sign up for. At worst, you're going to get into qualifying. At best, a lot of times, you know, international level and high uh, international high uh, level events, 125Ks, you're going to be a top seed. So Veronica Kunermatova, very much where she wants to be heading into 2021. Your other straight set results on the day, Ocean Doden, really nice 4-4 four four win over Kirstea. And then Arena Sabalenka, as I mentioned, uh, she just seems to be in full, as I mentioned, sorry, I mentioned it in a Great Shot podcast I did about 20 minutes ago for the ace of the day. So that's why I say, as I just mentioned it, if you listen to that, you heard 
heard me say something similar to this. She just seems in complete control this week. I mean, she was the winner in Ostrava, so she's got momentum coming into this one. She's confident. She's focused. She just absolutely blitzed Vogel in this match. Six love, six three victory. And again, you don't even have to look at the stats. Sabalenka just overpowered Vogel. She was the better player from start to finish in this match. The match was on her racket, and she took advantage of that fact. Got up an early break in the second and kind of coasted from there. I mean, hour seven match. Uh, that's a pretty good result from Sabalenka. And we got the chance to speak with her after her match as well. Talk a little bit about the confidence she is feeling right now. How important that confidence is. Excuse me. <clears throat> how important that confidence is to her success and when she's playing well, you know, uh, you know, uh, or how it allows her, I suppose, to continue to play well rather than hear me stumble through the sentence. Westoff, why not just roll the clip? Thank you, Alex. Congratulations on the winner. Uh, uh, yeah, a little, little wobble for you. I'm excited you won too. Um, but, you know, for you in terms of this match, this was your sixth victory in a row. And we've seen this before where you start to get confident, you have momentum on your side, and you can win a bunch of matches in a row. I guess I'm curious, you know, how important is that confidence to you? How, you know, what are you feeling right now that you think has allowed you to have this success over these past two weeks? Um, well, the confidence, it's really important, but um, I think it's more important to know that you, like, given everything you have in the match, and the confidence you're building, like, from the, like, ma- matches, like, from the first match, then the second match, and you're, like, building your confidence, and I think it's more important to make sure that you, you're actually working on the court, and you're giving everything you have, and I think um, that's what I'm doing, and even even when I was losing the matches, uh, I still knew that, well, I gave everything I could, so next time I'll try better and I will work on something and it's going to help me to um, get better and get these wins and I'm really happy that I'm kind of found, first of all, found this confidence and um, that I'm a little bit, how to say, like more calm on the court and I control my emotions and this is like this is really important for me mm-hmm. and in this match you did seem to just be swinging freely you seem to be confident you know going down the line when you felt that moment was right are you feeling that on court do you feel like you are swinging freely right now um I don't want to say that but <laughs> kind of something like that but also I feel like when I'm like overthinking, like, oh, I have to put this ball there or there, then I'm missing the point. When I'm, like, free on the court, I'm like, I don't care. Like, I feel like I have to go there, so I'll I'll go there full power. And it doesn't mean, like, I go, like, I don't know how many kilometers per hour. It just means, like, uh, my um, preparation for the shots and the shots, like, uh, the swings, like, everything, like, it's 100%. So, and, yeah, that's helped me to kind of... Uh, flying on the court and like doing everything again. Yeah, well, then I'll start like I, or I'll end like I started. Congratulations. Yeah, so Sabalenka, you can just tell she's she is really goofy as well, having to. Do, uh, haven't gotten to do a couple of you know press conference appearances with her. There was an incident. I don't know if Westoff left the Clifton, uh, clip in. She thought I was dancing when my video turned on on the Zoom camera. She thought I was like shoulder shaking side to side, you know. And I look, I am known to throw in a shoulder shimmy here and there. I am not afraid to dance when the moment calls for it. I was not shimmying. I was shivering probably because I do the press conferences in our garage here at CR headquarters, aka the place where Westoff and I live, and and Parker, by the way. I should always give him some love shout out to UPT but you know it 
I was like shivering, and so it was uh, it, it was just very funny. So she gave me a little shoulder shimmy to start off the press conference, and so to end, I was like, "Well, I'll end this conference like you thought I started it. Congratulations on the victory!" And I gave her a little shoulder shimmy as I said it. It was a nice moment. Again, you can have some fun on these zooms, and maybe I should be on the happier side that that moment wasn't public. Nevertheless, Arena Sabalenka clearly the fact that she's shimmying at me post match, she is in a good place mentally. She advances to the quarterfinals where she will face Do. In what should be a fun matchup, Doden probably her toughest test thus far. You know, Sabalenko go down an early break in almost every match, it feels like. So if Doden runs out to an early lead, that's not going to shock me. I still do think Sabalenka is going to take that one. And then, of course, Kudermatova, Mertens, Podoroska, Alexandrova, Sasnovich, Krejcikova, the other matchups on the day. It's going to be a fun quarterfinal in Friday in Linz. With that in mind, let's move on to the action in Sofia. And they're actually a day ahead, and I'm not sure why. Why they do that, they probably want all eyes on the ATP World Tour Finals, which start on Sunday, and believe me, folks, we're going to talk about that soon. But you look at the quarterfinal results in Sofia. Let's start with the match of the day, the Sin Man. 6-7, 6-4, 6-1, over number three seed Alex Diebenauer. He advances, or I should say, to the semifinals, but he moves to 2-0 in his career over Diebenauer after Diebenauer lost to Sinner about a year ago on this date. Uh, I actually think it was exactly a year ago on this date at the next-gen finals to Yannick Sinner, and what's so amazing is that Yannick Sinner at 19 years old, I mean, he hit through the wall that is Alex Diemenauer, and I said this on yesterday's podcast, I expected Diemenauer to come out with fire in his belly, right? You lose to Sinner in the next-gen finals. All the momentum seemed to be on Diemenauer's side heading into that match. He was, you know, you there's pride that comes in for all of these players. Of course, these rivalries, you in the pecking order of the next-gen rankings, there's a lot of hype right now for Sinner, justifiably so. But Alex Diemenauer is like, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm the three-seed here in this match. And look, this set, this match, the first set was incredibly physical. And, you know, Diemenauer was just in the—he just— he just made every extra ball. He kept putting the ball deep center. He attacked the center backhand side or deep in the center of the court again, and that seems to be the play against Yannick Sinner. You just can't give him angle or you know space to hit with on the forehand wing because if you do that side, he's so explosive off of. He's just either going to hit a winner or take control of the point with that forehand, and Demonauer did such a good job of sticking in the center of the court or on that backhand side, but credit to Yannick Sinner, who his footwork moving around that inside out inside in forehand is really really impressive for someone so young and he just kept sticking to his game plan even after he lost that first set breaker 7-3 he just he stuck to the script he stuck to his plays he was very patient he didn't start forcing it it's not like he was like oh now maybe I should be moving to the net more frequently because of course again you don't want to give Alex Diemenauer looks at clean passing shots and you know, for, for Sinner in this match, he was just so good on the first serve. 61% of his first serves go in. He wins 80% of those points. When he was able to play plus one tennis, he just took control of the match. And to do that, again, against someone who can make a match as physical as Alex Diemenauer, to be able to do that at 19 years old, it speaks to how special a talent he is now for Yannick Sinner. 49% on the second serve. That's not great, but Diemenauer is only 43% on his own second serve. And, you know, Sinner was better on his first serve than Demon Hour was on his first serve. Uh, you know, now the margins were very thin, but 
ultimately, it was just the fact that, you know, Yannick Sinner seemed a little bit, it seemed to just be a little bit easier for him to hold serve in this match. He had a little bit more juice than Alex Diemenauer, and in the end, it won out. He was patient enough to break the wall, to hit through Diemenauer, uh, and ultimately advance in this match against 6-7-6-4-6-1. And look, he's got the chance to uh, make his first final, potentially even win his first title. I would argue he's probably the favorite heading into championship weekend. I think the eye test certainly says that. Now, Manorino's played really well of late, and, you know, the other guy, and by the way, that's who he's going to play next, Adrian Manorino, a three-set winner over Redu Elbot. He continues his really good form. You can tell how confident he's playing fi- following that final in Nur Sultan, but I just think Sinner's got the biggest weapons from the baseline left in the field. He's the best combination of all-around skills. Vashik Pospisil, the most powerful player in Vashik Pospisil, hits John Millman off the court three and two, the serves, the volleys. He was just in control from start to finish. And look, Richard Gasquet is really good as well. 7-6-7-5 win for him over Caruso. But you just start to look at all of those matchups. Sinner is better from the baseline than all three of those players. And in modern tennis, that is the skill you look for most. And, you know, physically, I think he's going to hold up just fine. He's played a lot of matches. And I know when he was going to play Zverev, was that in Paris last week? I believe he had to pull out because of a foot injury. Maybe that was in Cologne. I don't remember exactly which tournament it was. But I think he's fine. I think his level this week has reflected that. And I just think, eye test-wise, he's playing the best of all of the guys remaining. And again, quickly to go over them, Manorino, Three-set win over Elbot, Pospisil, 3-2 and two over Millman, Gasquet, 6-5 and five over Caruso. But should be a really fun weekend of action in Sofia. And if we get the first title of the year from Yannick Sinner, you know that's going to make us here at Crack Rackets happy. One of the next-gen guys we should all be getting very, very excited about. He advances to the semifinal. He's going to play Manorino. It's Pospisil against Gasquet. We'll talk about those matches tomorrow. In terms of the action going on at the challenger level, Let's start in Bratislava, where, again, it's been a really fun week of play now. Unfortunately, it seems like the withdrawal uh, bug has started to spread throughout this tournament, and I'll have to do more reporting to see what's behind all of those withdrawals. But you look at the round of 16 matches that happened yesterday. Emil Rusevori, I think a really good win, considering this tournament is indoor on the hard courts. One in four over Arthur Rinderneck. Uh, I mean, the young uh, Finnish player, just the power he's able to display. It's really, really fun stuff. Uh, Antoine Huang, 3-4 and four over Roberto Marcora. Speaking of powerful young players, Antoine Huang, the young Frenchman, incredibly powerful from the ground, needs to rein that power in. I think if he's going to be consistent enough to make the top 100, but... Very, very fun to watch. He's a straight set winner. Lucas Klein, 4-3 and three over Giustino. And then Matteo Viola, 7-6-4-6-6-3 win over Nikola Miljovic to advance to the quarterfinals. Again, we've had a couple of withdrawals from those quarterfinals. I believe both uh, you look at the results that ended up happening on the day uh, or heading into today. I believe, again, I think two of the quarterfinals, I believe it was Matthias Borg pulling out against Huang and then Sergei Stakovsky pulling out against Max Martyr, but still should be, you know, we got Klein and Rusevori, Mahak and Viola should be a fun day of tennis. And then finally, I want to talk about the action in Kerry because Mike C. Tennis on the call, though we've had a lot of rain, so we haven't really been able to see it. But you look at yesterday's matches, oh, painful. 6-7, 6-2, loss for Jack Sock to Pranesh Gunaswaran. Indoor hardcourt, you think Sock comes through in that one. It was 7-5 in that third set breaker. But 
he's getting there. He really is playing better and better and better. And so I'm encouraged about him heading into 2021 for Gunnar and Way to make that match physical. Way to really work Jack. Just put in that extra ball. Force things of him. It was a really good win for Gunnar Another really good win for a favorite of ours here at Cracker Rackets. A former college tennis standout. Mikhail Torpegard. 4-6-6-3-6-4 victory for him. Over number one seeded Diego Montiero. I mean... Indoor hardcourt, low bouncing. That's Torpegard's specialty. Ohio State, that's what they do. Good to see him get the win there. Your other winners on the day, Bellucci, 3-6 and six over Gavishvili. And then Brandon Nakashima, 3-2 and two over Alexis Galarno. In case you forgot, you know, we all got are having a lot of fun with Yannick Sinner, Lorenzo Musetti, uh, Carlos Alcaraz, all these other young guys who have come through late, but all summer. And yeah, that's this is an American-centric thing because we are here in America, but all summer it was Brandon Nakashima. Brandon Nakashima, Brandon Nakashima. Just a reminder, it still is Brandon Nakashima. Yeah, the Sin Man is coming for you folks, but so is Nakashima. So we all look forward to seeing him play tomorrow. And in fact, I believe he's going to take on Torp. I believe it's also Gunaswaran versus Bellucci, Popko versus Kudla, and then Eubanks versus Gallant. So some really fun action in Kerry. And of course, we will be back here on the podcast uh, on Friday to talk about all of that action. We'll preview what you can all expect on the penultimate championship weekend of the year. Of course, again, a ton of other content to hold you all over in the meantime. Go check out our Cracked Interviews podcast, where this week we had interviews with Manny Diaz and James Blake. Of course, last week we had Mark Kovacs, noted tennis sports scientist, on the podcast as well. So a lot of fun interviews there. GSP aces of the day each and every day. Of course, we've also got the action with Chris Halliors and Matt Stokowiak, our College Contender Series, where we break down the University of Georgia and University of Michigan this week. All of that and more all available on our website crackedrackets.com of course you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i am at great shot pod shout out as always to our super producers max fliegner and daniel westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out making all of this possible shout out of course as well to our friends at midwest sports and aerobar go to midwestsports.com use the promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com use the promo code cracked 15 but with that in mind for our friends at midwest sports and aerobar our super producers fliegner and westoff and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone